everybody. Welcome back to the College Football Uncensored Podcast brought to you by Texas Pete. Downset sauce like you mean it. Visit TexasPete.com and their promo code Saturday Down South to take 20% off your orders for any sauce or apparel. And with that, Chris, it was a great week three. Was it? So listen, I got a bone to pick with you because of your, your GD negativity. Okay. I can't take it. You know, with, with your constant GD negativity, I'm an idea, man. I thrive GD. on energy. All right. Um, BDE? No, 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 no. Not after that game on, on Saturday, for sure. <laughs> um, but so you, you said going into it, you're like, yeah, it's only like two games. Everything else is going to suck. Yeah, I was real wrong on that. You were. And I was looking at it on, on Friday, which was the day after we recorded, um, instead of preparing like a, like a professional Right. And I was like, this, this slate looks pretty great. I'm excited about it. And you were very wrong. Hold on here. You were very wrong. It was a fantastic week. I, I mean, the Bama game was a great game. If you yeah, love like heartburn, panic attacks. I screamed so loud at one point that I, I literally saw stars like a fucking Looney Tunes. Did you so watch it with your roommate? Drop that pet. No, thank God. They, so... All right, we, I have to say one thing about this. And like, you guys know that I have a different living situation now. Um, my very good friend, Rich Janowski, uh, I, I'm living uh, with him and his family. It's just fantastic. They have this massive home in Milton. It's great. I say all that because they have two kids that are under the age of six, both girls, and they're, they're adorable. Um, and you know how kids always say like the most honest things. Yeah, I do. So after the game on Saturday, I, I thought they were all at someone else's house watching the games because the whole neighborhood does that usually on Saturdays. And that fourth quarter was like pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, I'd say. And at, at one point after the game, Rich's wife, Caitlin, went to Florida. And she... Oh, she I like, know that. Yeah. So she like knocks on the basement door, which is where I stay. And I was like, oh, hell of a game. And she was like, just so you know... <laughs> Lucy and Amelia have been crying for 25 minutes because of how scared they were of the things that you were saying and how much you were yelling downstairs. Oh, man. Because of your actions. Chris. I'm sure what, I'll grow out of it. I'm sure I'll grow out of it. Uh, what, what? I mean, do you recall what was said? When Slade Bolden dropped that pass in the end zone, I, I know for a fact, I think like the, what the go-to was that day was GD, GF, and D. Like, Oof. don't That's tell my tough. mom. It was bad. It was tough. tough. I mean, yeah. you listen, teach their own. I probably shouldn't admit that. It was like, man, come on. What the heck are we doing out here, guys? <laughs> Cheese and rice. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you. It's changing lives every day on this podcast. Not in a good And day. in your life. Yeah. I'm like one of those like Rosetta Stones, but only for like bad words. Well... It was a fantastic week. I think we, of course, we're going to recap it. But I think before we do, we should get into the Texas Pete hot take edition. Throw out some hot takes. Maybe some takes have changed after week three action. Mm -hmm. So we each have a hot take here. Uh, But before we get into it, speaking of hot takes and legendary games, like we saw that Penn State Auburn game was fantastic, by the way. Awesome. Um, Let's talk about legendary flavors, Chris. Okay. Texas Pete Hot Sauce has all of the sauces and seasonings you need to make your food the real MVP. Try some Texas Pete Original Hot Sauce seasoning 
Did I do it right that You're time? You're doing it wrong still. G D G F and D, Tyler. Buffalo <laughs> wing sauce. <laughs> I think I took heat in like the comment section on the Facebook page for that. But uh, speaking like of heat, green pepper sauce, barbecue sauce, and more. Game day grub or any grub deserves some Texas Pete. Visit TexasPete.com for recipes, hot apparel, like Texas Pete shirts and hats. I need I need Texas Pete to send me send me a shirt and a hat so I can rock it. I got plenty that don't fit. Twenty uh, percent off your entire order with promo code Saturday Down South. Downset sauce like you mean it, Chris. Your f- hot take after week three. Well, I was gonna say that Clemson's just not a good like Clemson's like objectively a bad football team. Bad's probably strong, but they are not nearly what they have been. That's a good point. They will be fine. They'll like. Like they are, I don't know if they'll, this will play out because of how soft their schedule is. Yeah. They're a nine win team tops. Um, that's not going to be my hot take. I, I, my hot take is going to be, I'm going to go back on what I said earlier in the year. I think that the SEC is going to get two teams in, in the mm-hmm. playoff. I don't think Oregon is going to like just coast the rest of the way. The Pac-12 tends to screw things up. Always. Always. It's chaos. I mean, you can't trust people from Oregon at all um, or just, you know, most of the West Coast is what I've learned. So I, I've put zero thought into how this would play out, like, logistically. But I'm going to say it. The SEC gets three teams in. Three teams? I don't know. I mean, like, think about it. <laughs> like, like, think about this, okay? Notre Dame is shit. Ohio State's not good, but mm-hmm. I think they will end up getting in because of how bad the Big Ten is. No, this is stupid. This is dumb. This is real bad. Oklahoma's not, not as good as I thought they were going to be. Okay, here we're going to start over. You ready? The, you got to hope that Oklahoma loses because Iowa State's already lost. Yeah. You want Iowa fair. State to, I think, beat Oklahoma in the regular season. Yeah, that's fair. What I Here's what I'll say. The college football playoff will consist of two conferences. Two conferences will get two teams in. Okay? Okay. So it'll be Penn State, Ohio State, or Michigan, one of those three, and then Bama and Georgia. Okay. Is that a hot take? That's a hot take, right? So you're, you're, okay. you're going back on the three SEC teams. Yeah, that seemed like a okay. bit much. I'll be that, that was like a yeah. piping hot take. <laughs> well we keep getting dragged in the comments like that's not it's a lukewarm had not true all four teams in the playoff are from the SEC right. um, my hot take goes against everything I've stand, stood for I almost said standard that would have been weird this brother this here season on this year podcast okay Florida not only wins the east oh god but wins the East only. They do not beat Bama, but over Georgia, they get into the SEC championship game. Mm -hmm. Look, that was a fantastic game on Saturday, and I was very impressed with Florida's defense as compared to previous years. And I don't know, man. You know, they were pretty close to winning that game, and I feel like... Dan Mullen is a good enough coach to scheme it up against any defense. I mean, yeah, 
and I, I think that Bama's offense is better than Georgia's, I wouldn't be shocked if Florida beat Georgia in that game. Honestly, I mean, it's I not, yeah, I don't think it's a, that's that's a good take. I, I would have thought that no chance ahead of the season. Um, not no chance, Same. obviously, but but I don't know. Things um, are different now. Things are different now. What is happening? Who keeps what? Like, okay, I got noises going off my ears. Listen, so we're gonna get right. Like, we'll transition off that take because I think we're gonna talk a lot about Georgia and Florida later. Um, and before we get into like the games that we you know we previewed and talk about the SEC games, I, you know, we'll like look around the country real quick. Um, I, I guess my biggest takeaway from week three is: is anybody fucking good? Like anybody, Bama's got a lot of holes. Georgia, I, people are, are worried about their offense. I honestly am not because they, they're not even close to being healthy yet. And they're still like, they look very, very good. Um, Clemson's awful. Clemson played Georgia Tech this weekend. They beat them 14 to, was it 14 to eight or 14 to yeah, six? 14 to eight. 14 to eight, the normal score, Little League World Series score. Um, and they, it also, I didn't realize this until several hours, several hours after the game, that included a goal line stand. Yeah. No, Georgia Tech. Georgia was going Tech. In. Yeah. They have, they have, I like how you said that too, because I feel like that's exactly how Jeff Collins says it when they play rap music. We are going in. <laughs> they, they outscored Georgia Tech the last two years combined 125 to 21. They beat them last year 73 to nothing. Chuck Smith, friend of the pod, um, former. Atlanta Falcon, all that kind of stuff. He, some, like when he worked at Tennessee, some of his like coworkers then or whatever are on staff at Clemson. He told me flat out, he's like, the reason why they ran up the score on Tech, like it's like 73 nothing, is because Tech was negatively recruiting against Clemson. And so they, like Dabo, like wanted to prove a point mm-hmm. and wants to every year. Yeah. So oh, yeah. 14 I, to six or 14 I to eight. Cle- I took Clemson minus 28 and a half because of that very reason. No matter what happens, Dabo always tries to put 70 on Georgia Tech. I took them in everything, Tyler. I took like I took I took them in the first quarter. I took them in the first half. I took their team total in the first half, and also uh, full game. I mean, regardless, I, like it, honestly, I think the the problem is their play calling is shit. It's not creative at all. I'm not going to judge them for having a white running back. It's 2021. Do you? But at the same time, it's like I don't think DJ is ever going to run the ball. So it's like, there's no, there's no like guessing game there for like the linebackers or like the defense. So I think that's Clemson's offense has always done well because it's predicated on the quarterback running. You go back to Taj Boyd, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. They all were exceptional runners of the football. Right. I think this kid is, but the problem is, is that, their backup situation is horrible. They don't want that kid to get hurt because their their true backup tore his Achilles, I want to say, in the spring game. Right. And then, so I don't think he's really truly available, although I did see him suited up on the sideline, so I don't know what that's about. And then their other backup that they were planning on bringing in as a freshman uh, went to the MLB draft instead and decided right. to go pro in baseball. So their backup is, I think, a walk-on. Um. So I think that's why they're not running him, but it's causing their offense to just be terrible. And it's, it's um, not creative. And I tell you what, man, their offensive line is awful. I mean, their yeah. offensive line is awful. Like, like 
I, I said this at the beginning of the year. I was shocked that, that he like Dabo just doesn't develop or that staff hasn't developed any first round draft picks at, at all in the offensive line. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, think about that weird. with a program like that. Um, I think they've only had six overall that have even been drafted and he's been there for, you know, over 10 years, like 12 or 13 years. So, I mean, I, I've been very unimpressed with them. Their defense is fantastic, but again, you're playing yeah. Georgia tech, Georgia tech lost to Northern Illinois at home. Georgia Tech doesn't even have their starting quarterback. He's out with injury. He got injured in that Northern Illinois game. Yeah, so the kid that's playing too. for them that. is a backup, and he he actually went to the high school I went to. So that's pretty cool. But Milton, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, that's that take. Did you watch Ohio State at all? I didn't watch him. No, I was I, I saw the score kind of flashing up, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Not good. Not good. Yeah, yeah. Something's going on there, and and now they're you know they don't. I guess another guy was calling the defense this week uh, for Ohio State, so they're trying to figure that out midseason. Like a make a wish um, thing. It's just like <laughs> no, just another guy on staff. Okay, um, no. So, but like, like again, we'll transition to like the games that mattered. But I, I only bring it up because it really does. It's like a it's like domino effect in everything because I think Clemson is looks like a very bad football team. Yeah, and I'm very high on Georgia. However. We have been like, you know, talking about how impressive that Georgia win was over Clemson because of what we thought Clemson was going to be. And maybe they still will be. But yeah. like, I'm, I'm not going to back off, how, like, you know, my take on I think that Georgia was a national championship. I still think they do. But you do have to wonder if, like, if they are as dominant as we've kind of made them out to be because of how bad Clemson is. No, it's a fair question. And I think, um, you know, not only that, man, I, I, going into the season, obviously, we all know that the ACC is very bad right now. It's even worse than I imagined. Your life I mean, sucks right now, man. It's a Miami, oh, and FSU. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> we don't even have to get started on Florida State. Let's just talk about the teams that actually were considered potentially good in the, in the conference. Miami's already lost twice. They got their shit kicked in by Michigan State at home. They almost lost to App State. Obviously, they got their doors blown off by Alabama. So they're not any good at all. North Carolina, Virginia's putting up 40 points on them. They've already lost once. Um, and Clemson Fair. just looks terrible. I mean, I, it's crazy. But Clemson will probably it's still win the ACC. The ACC. It, Clemson will probably win the ACC still, but it's not, it's not impressive at all. And honestly, I hope the committee you know, takes that into consideration towards the end of the year because it's crazy. Even the, even their head. Even the teams that um, are in their division are completely different. Like BC's quarterback is out for the year. So they're just, their season went from like potentially decent to shit. Right. Um, NC State lost their best player on defense for the year. Like all the teams in their division are starting to fall apart injury wise too. So the second best team in the, in the ACC. It's like for real. Yeah. um, Who cares? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's get into something. We've been, we've been, about to talk oh, yeah. about we've, we've been trying to do this for the last couple of weeks we think we finally got it figured out so we had the hotline open low we point got, of the weekend clemson high point this this hotline <laughs> um we had a lot more to start and then i think because we weren't playing them people were like well why am i going to call in so now that we're playing them i think we're gonna get a lot more here but we did get a couple over the weekend um, our first one, uh, was, a, it appears to be a Florida fan. I'm trying to look through the, no, no, this is, um, I, I'm going to guess here. Wait, 
Oh yeah. I, so I am like, I'm going to guess this is Clark Fudge. Okay. Let me play it. I'm going to guess. <sighs> Just disappointment. So pretty close. Almost the demo. A few missed calls by the rest here and there. And, oh, uh, Jesus. Uh, a few misreads on the goal line. Should have pulled that two-point conversion by Emory Jones. I thought we played pretty good, though. Still still kind of ticked off that we uh, we, we didn't get that win. Came down to a field goal. Man. Oh, well, the the sigh afterwards. Thank y'all for uh, having this hotline. This is kind of cool. Right, have a good day. So I like so, this guy. He I didn't say his name. I don't name. think that's Clark Futch now. No, <laughs> I don't know Clark Futch, but um, he didn't say his name. Clearly, there was some cocktails had. It was a long day for this man, I feel. I don't uh, know if he had cocktails. I think he was just beaten down by life. Yeah. But he seems like such a nice guy. Like the ending of that message was like, absolutely. Oh, let's hug. So I think. It's going to be a bad. mixed bag, Tyler. I feel bad, bag. but you know what? You know what? I think you gotta you gotta hold your head high up. I, I'm assuming you're a Florida fan. I was a, I thought they played a lot better than I expected them to, uh, especially on defense. Even though there were points to be had. Um, let's get into this next one. A little more lively. I'm pretty sure this is Tristan Smith with two eyes, like in his name. Well, I tell you what, face. these fucking refs <laughs> off to a hot start today. SEC refs and Big Ten refs are some of the shittiest. I like. I would rather watch high school referees, referees, fuck it. I'd rather see NFL referees trying to protect the quarterback referee a football game than watch these college referees try and, what, fucking win the game for a – I don't know. What are they doing, bro? Oh, man, it's mad. Penn State deserves to win this football game because the refs have – Okay. We're going to edit that There is nothing that they could have done. I mean, Penn State's done everything here. they can. They deserve to win this football game. That's all I got to say. Fuck the rest. It just means more, baby. Horns down. <laughs> so the, here, let me start with what I tell you. What I love about this message is right off the bat, you're you're just dropping an F word, and that's how I start most of my days and coffee. Um, I, that part of it was a little bit too aggressive. I didn't. I didn't feel like. Penn State, like I mean, the refs did screw them out of that uh, that punt. Like they they like forced them into yeah. punting on third down, which is very odd. <laughs> yeah. um, but like I, I didn't think that the refs. I thought the refs like kind of screwed Auburn over pretty late. The targeting call, and we'll get into it later. But um, my favorite part is he left two messages because you can tell it's the same number. And this dude had his own like fucking what, like signature at the bottom of an email. He had his own sign off, like. It, it, it was a whole thing. And I, I listened to both of them and it was like this. He closed out with the same. Listen, mate, that's all I got to fucking say. And then he kept talking after, after that and said something about horns down. We're the real UT. No, he just said it just means more baby horns. Yeah. down. All right. No, I, think he, I think same guy uh, followed up here. You know what? I know I just called you guys, but I want to try to be on the phone with me for the end of this game. Right, I'm a Tennessee fan, but I'm also a football fan. Go big horns, but just means more. Let's see what the hell happens here. I fucking love this. Three seconds left. Oh, he's calling, he's calling pass, live. Launches it to the end zone. Broken up. Broken up. Penn State wins. Good shit, buddy. Well, 
You know, Auburn's an SEC team. Kind of got to feel bad for them. I really don't give a shit about Auburn. But those refs, Penn State deserved to win the football game, like I said. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Good whiteout. Good whiteout game, baby. Good whiteout game. It just means more, baby. Fuck Texas. Horns down. We're the real UT. Amazing. This is the and best thing I've ever I love that idea. I, I, like, well, like he had like a, a whole new spinoff of it. Like, please call us after games, but also call us in the middle of games during like yes. big moments because I think that's like you're going to be the most. That, so if, is that Tristan with two eyes? It, ha- it almost has to be. I love that dude. Um, well, Tristan, I think you, you created a, a wave, as the kids say. This is a vibe. Calling mid-game, big game, big, big moment, and leaving a live voicemail. I like this. So those are the voicemails we're going to play this week. So don't forget to call us and leave us a voicemail every week. Let us know. We, we do not take calls uh, regarding teams that haven't won a game. So those will be ignored. Um, let's get into the slate here, Chris. Cause no, it was, no, we're not. Uh, we're not going to no. do that yet because we played three of the uh, voicemails and there was a fourth. Oh, and, you're right. Yeah. I'm so I'm just going to, I'm going to address this in, in the most um, honest way possible. And, like, so what ended up happening, we're not going to play it. Um, and the reason why is because whoever left the message and, and you know what, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he thought this was funny. Um, it, it fucking right. wasn't at all. But um, so the, the voice, I guess oh, you, you closed it out, but I was going to say we could read it. It was a Florida fan who was upset about the loss, said something about the refs, and then decided that instead of saying anything else about that game with his team, um, he would just make a, like a sharp turn and started immediately going into, but how about them Oregon state beavers? Huh? How about them Oregon state beavers this year? So I'm just, again, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like I I told, I brought that up on the podcast because I didn't want to fucking deal with it all year. Like it it obviously is a, like, it's embarrassing. It it sucks. It's very saddening. Um, Probably one of the more difficult times I've, I've had in like my entire fucking life. I also get that we joke around a lot on here. So, like, again, I'll, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on that. Don't do that. Don't, I mean, just don't do that. Like, if, if your response to losing a game that you should have, you should have won because your fucking field goal kicker could make an extra point is to then project onto me about like referencing my fiance that broke off our engagement on it. Like that. Fuck you, man. Like that's like, just don't do that. So, um, that's all I'll say. Uh, and, and, and we'll try, try to keep it. Did I say F you? I did say that, didn't I? I shouldn't have said that. We could always edit it out. Care. We're gonna have to edit out. The no, we're not gonna edit it out. Because you, like, you need to hear that. So again, like, uh, you guys have been great. Like for most of this, the season so far, it's been a lot of fun. I think this whole idea is gonna be a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, if, if you, if you, you know, find yourself coming up with, uh, what you think is a joke about my failed engagement, um, if, you know, if it's not something you would say to like my face, if maybe we just don't say it on the, on the voicemail, cause it's a fucking petty and douchebag thing to do. Is there anything else I need to cover? No, I think you got it. The floor was yours. Yeah. Um, I think I've got my new team. Oh yeah, it's Tyler's team now. We got to figure out a new team for you. I think I've already chosen one. Go ahead and tell me. I've been like, 
I'm hotty totty, baby. The- hotty oh, totty. Jesus Christ. Let's go. The most fun team to watch in the country. Yeah. I'm now an Ole Miss Rebel. Thank you for all your donations. I've been swayed. Let's roll. Wait, so that's like that's final? We're just you're just Ole Miss fan no, now. I'm just Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Miss fan a, now. they they have a bye week and they play Bama. So I you know. and that caller that just, yep. just pulled I, that there's shit. a re, there's a total reason for the timing. I'm now an cool, Ole Miss awesome. Rebel. I, you know what? I'll just get a new fucking co-host. It's fine. I'll do it. I'll do it myself. Uh all right. So I am now an Ole Miss fan. So I'm I apologize if I it's it's probably not good timing if you're an Ole Miss fan from for me to bring my stench onto your team right before you play Bama. So I apologize oh. for that. But that they're just fun. Bag. I just, all right. <laughs> Everybody calm I'm down. I'm not over it. <laughs> do we want to get into the week or do you want to change your college football predictions? I'm not going to change my, my college football predictions. We already referenced it earlier. But let's get into the week and actually start talking about what happened. Uh, week three, September 18th. A day that will live in infamy um, in Gainesville, especially. So Tennessee. Did you watch this game? Blanks, Tennessee Tech. Oh, no. <laughs> did you watch this game? I did. Yes. It was fantastic. This was, I got to watch two games live this weekend because I was spending some time with the uh, in laws. Uh-huh. This one. And then I had George on because it's a Georgia family. So. When I tell you that it was quite painful to watch when Georgia's up like 40 to six, and I know the the Auburn Penn State game is a really good game, but I can't oh, really God. say much about it. And, you know, it's like you got, they're going to watch right. the, the very last play. You know, and you're like, guys, this game is way over. You think we could switch over to the one that's tied at, you know, in the third quarter? Like, um, um, so I just had that one. Is there not multiple TVs in the house? Um, no, this is, uh, you know, this isn't your typical. Uh, this is like you know, sixty-five-year-olds hanging out. They don't. They don't go oh, multi-TV. Dude. Bro, they didn't have uh, any TVs in Oregon. So I'll just throw that out there. I, I feel your pain. So um, I, I, I had the, I had the Auburn game on my safe. phone. Oh, no, no, I didn't watch that at all. Why would I do that? <laughs> <laughs> but for real, I didn't. Um, so I thought about you during the whole game because it was twenty-one-three, and I was like, man, Chris is probably. Pounding his chest a little bit. I showed out on Twitter and it was bad. Yeah, I didn't even see that, but I knew that it was happening. Okay, so let me explain myself though too, because I was kind of amazed at the the amount of confidence Florida fans had, and not because you're a, you shouldn't have that as a fan. You should definitely be passionate and get excited and, and think your team's going to win. Of course, um, like the the some of the the bold statements that were being made going into that game. I was like, not steeped in like, realism. Yeah, exactly. That's a, that's a good way to put it. Um, but also like, I, so I had tweeted a couple of things like, you know, kind of trying to like get under the skin of Florida fans and, and not like not being a troll as Sean Patrick said, but you know, just engaging with fan bases in any way possible. Um, and I didn't, I honestly didn't even look back at my, my tweets and I was, I did two radio interviews at the end of the week and both of them brought up how angry Florida fans apparently were with me on Twitter. And I had no idea. And I went back and looked at some of those comments and it was not great. Um, so then, and this is going to sound bad if I just chastise that uh, dude that was so petty on the voicemail. 
I mean, Bama was up 21 to three. I thought the game was over. I started, I started going through all the comments. I started liking and, and retweeting a few of the, the, the hottest of takes. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it was over. Like, I mean, like, because we've seen Bama do that how many times throughout like the Saban era, especially now with like the offense kind of being more of a focal point and, and being like, you know, they, they've always been able to put up a lot of points, but not like this, like with right. ease. And it seemed like that's exactly what was going on. And, and to be a thousand percent honest, I did not thank Todd Grantham. I respect Dan Mullen. I think he's a great offensive coach. And I saw what he did last year in the SC championship game. I did not think that, that Todd Grantham was going to be able to effectively like scheme against Alabama, Alabama's offense for 60 minutes. He was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, he was. And, and I really thought that Grantham didn't have that bad of a day too. I mean, there was a long stretch there. It, it got out the gates a little hot for Bama, obviously, but in the rest of the way, they only scored 10 points. I mean, um, they really made some adjustments and it felt like Bama was just kind of hanging on there for the rest of the game uh, as Florida crept back in it. Um, obviously, you know, that's extends a, a winning streak for Bama, um, but it didn't come easy. Um, Emory Rich or Emory Jones, not only did he start, he played the entire game, Anthony, which Florida fans I'm sure haven't stopped talking about had they had him potentially things could be different. But right, hold on. You're, you're not, you're not, a, a, you're not recapping this game with enough enthusiasm that it deserves. So I'm taking over here for a second because you said Grantham had a pretty good day. Yeah. Is that what you said, sir? I did. Yeah. Not Grantham and that defense after going down 21 to three. They forced three, three straight three and outs in the second quarter. That's the first time it's happened to Alabama since the opening game of the 2017 season. No offense. Sorry. FSU. Yeah. So there's, there's one point. Um, Florida was absolutely gashing Bama, like in the run game all afternoon. But what was even more impressive was how, like, just ineffective Bama's rush offense was. They held him to 91 yards rushing, um, held him to, I believe it was like 3.4 yards per carry. Saban's, Saban's, like Saban's teams at Alabama have only been held under 100 yards rushing twice in the last 100, I'm sorry, in the last decade. Twice. It was, it was the second time in the last 95 games it's happened. Um, no, I'm sorry, it's happened five times, five times. But that was the second time in the last 95 games that Bama has been held under 100 yards rushing. I mean, yes, maybe I should use a different adjective. It, exactly. That's, I mean, you know, it's not your fault. But um, I just was blown away the entire time. The fact that, like, again, what what Grantham was able to do, they they Bama still hit 30 points. It was like whatever straight. I think it was the 28th straight game they've done that, which is like the second longest streak in cultural history. But they were held under 400 yards for the first time in 40 games. Um, I mean, there were milestones constantly hit. And then you look at the offensive side and I, I would give the credit to Emory Jones and Dan Mullen. And I didn't think again, with, with the personnel they had, I didn't think Mullen would be able to be this effective outside of early in the game. When you have a scripted offense, I did not think Emory Jones is going to come in here and, and light it up. It's like, you know, he didn't really in the passing game, but that running game, 256 yards rushing. It is the sixth most uh, yards in a single game that any team has ever put up against a Nick Saban team at Alabama. Um, <laughs> you talk about like the big plays, like like after that second quarter, you could kind of feel like this game is could be close because Florida gets the ball back at coming out of the half. 
Bama's mm-hmm. not doing anything. Like they're not doing fucking anything. The offensive line is terrible. Um, they could not be more undisciplined. They had almost double digit penalties in the first half alone. They, 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 just, they look exactly like the 2013 Alabama team that didn't buy in, that didn't really, you know, do like the little things. Um, and I'm not saying that's how it's going to be for the rest of the year. I think they'll, you know, probably learn from it, but you have to t- like give all the credit in this game to Florida. I think they should have won the game. And, and I'm not, I'm not going to bring up just like the, like the missed extra point, but like they probably deserved to win this game because they outplayed out coached out everything to Alabama all afternoon. Bama came into that game, allowing like everyone talks about the defense is going to be the best defense, most experienced defense that Saban's had. And like, you know, in the last decade, maybe since he's been at Bama coming into this game, they'd only given up four, uh, four plays or four rushing plays of 10 yards or more. They gave up zero over 20 yards. They've been stout been really stout. They gave up nine, nine plays of over 10 yards or more and three of over 20. Like you're talking about in the second half, Florida was able to line up. You had three drives all over 10 plays or more, all over 75 yards or more, one of them 99 yards, all of them resulting in a touchdown. And you had 33 plays combined on those three drives. And that also was the total amount of plays in the second half. You ran on 21 of them. Like you lined up and like I was arrogant as shit, like going in. I was like, you got to line up and play Alabama. They lined up and ran it down Bama's fucking throat all, all afternoon. Um, 21 out of, I mean, 62% of the plays in the second half when you were down. It was, it was incredibly impressive. Incredibly impressive. Yeah. You know, Emory Jones, when, when Bama was up 21, three, you know, you started hearing boos out of the crowd and oh man, I was like, man, this might pile up on him. And I mean, from there he was impressive, man. A 99 yard touchdown Dude. drive, 75 yard touchdown drive after that. I mean, uh, he had him in a position to win and you know, Damian Pierce, uh, takes that, that ball in to make it 31 29. And I was like, there's, I just thought for sure they were going to convert the, the two point. Apparently Malik Davis lined up on the wrong side of Emory Jones for the two point conversion. Everything got screwed up. Um, but they were right there. And, you know, I know a lot of Florida fans are talking about how we, you know, you just had a field goal kicker. Um, yeah, well, that's tough shit. You know, I mean, welcome to the fucking nightmare. <laughs> welcome. Welcome <laughs> to college football. Everyone, you know, Florida's had a nice run of kickers. This is normal for, for most college football fans to just have their well, kicker like completely. Yeah. So. And the other part of it too, is like, I, and I, I was really surprised by this because there was a horseshit pass interference call in the very, very first quarter of the game. Right. I thought it was a terrible call and it's, it stuck out. Everybody was talking about it. It was like, you know, all over social media, Florida fans brought it up a lot. Bama had 11 penalties in that game. Like the whole thing about how like Bama got all the calls and the refs gave the game to Bama. I don't remember that happening. Um, And I'll tell you this right now, that last touchdown that you just referenced that entire left side, Will Anderson was being held like a fucking newborn baby for most of the afternoon. Um, And that entire left side was blocked off and you could see just all Jersey the entire time and on the defensive back. And, and, and I'm not saying that like, I'm not trying to be like, make excuses at all because again, I still think Florida should have won the game. Um, but don't pin it on that. It's, you know, that's, that's ridiculous. It's like, like, and we're going to say the same thing with Auburn. Like you probably lost because the missed missed extra point. Um, and it came back to bite you. Like in the same way that I'm going to tell Auburn fans later, like, don't say that the refs cost you that game. Cause they didn't like whoever decided to call a fucking 
fade route on fourth and two with Bo Nix throwing the football cost you that game? It was Bo Nix. By the Bo way, Nix called it. No, he did. Um, well, it was so. Do we just want to get into that game, or you want to? Do you have anything else I mean, on this game? No, I, I thought it was really impressive by Florida. I just couldn't be more regretful of my arrogance going into the game. <laughs> yeah, man. Mullen is a fantastic coach. No doubt about it. Um, that whiteout game was absolutely incredible. I mean, yeah. I know that you like to shit on Big Ten like a lot, but that is that atmosphere is that's hard to rival. Without a doubt. I like yeah. to shit on like Northwestern and Purdue playing at 1030 <laughs> in the morning in front of like a fucking high school crowd. Penn State, that is, I mean, Penn State, Ohio State, even Michigan, Michigan like, yeah. but that Wisconsin. is, yeah, Wisconsin, if you, if Minnesota sold out their first game. Like that, that environment is like what college football is all about. That was awesome. Oh, it was incredible. And it was such a cool scene to, to, to see Auburn playing up there. Um, yeah. I, I was super so I'll start with Auburn. I mean, I'm really impressed with Harson and how he has yeah. been playing. Like they are a very hard nosed team. There's no quit in the team at all. Um, nope. And I just feel like if he can recruit, which I I see no reason why he won't. I think he's going to have Auburn in a really good spot in two years. I mean, they're already in a good yeah. spot. They're already ahead of where I thought they would be. Um, but I think he's going to have them going in the right direction. And I was really impressed with Auburn. I still think, I mean, look, Bo Nix wasn't horrible, but he just, he's not going to win you a game like that. He's not dynamic yeah. enough in that atmosphere. Penn State looked really good. Their defense was impressive. Um, but yeah, so on, the, so on that last play, uh, after the game, Brian Harson said that, him and Bobo script plays for those situations. And he said that Bo Nix had multiple options on that. And he went with the fade. He didn't, he wasn't trying to uh, trash him. Cause he was like, um, I would have done the same thing and we'll look at the film, make he sure it was the right well, call. Yeah. But, but, but that was Bo Nix that decided on that. Um, there was a couple options on that play, but it was horrible. I mean, you can't call that on fourth down like that. So I was shocked. Um, and I do want to talk about the Hartson thing for a second, but I, but I want to talk about the Bo Nix thing first because, I, you know, it's like Bo Nix is a lot of things. But throwing a touch pass on fourth and two on the road to win a fucking game with a brand new receiver, that's bold, man. That's a bold move, Cotton. Um, and like, I would, at that point, it was late, and I've had a few Chardonnays, what of it. Um, <laughs> but if I recall, the pass was nowhere to be. It was uncatchable. It, like it like, was, so Barstool Big Cat had the best tweet about it, and he said, Bo Nix, <laughs> like a, he goes about like every throw like like dude perfect, where he's just try, like <laughs> he's not trying to throw it to a receiver. He's trying to throw it to like a fucking trash can. It's like way out of bounds, and all he's doing is overthrowing it like every time. Because <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't close. And I still thought yeah. he could have maybe called pass interference on it. Um, it wasn't catchable. It wasn't at all. No, he almost put it in the fucking stands. So Bo Nix was kind of what we thought he was going to be, which I kind of you know feel bad because he was so great in the first two games. And, you know, maybe he'll be. He, but that whole thing, home and road, when you have that big of a sample size, we've seen it for two full years. Like, and it's that like, like drastically different. You know, I, I think like 
we probably knew what was going to happen going into that game. It, the surprises for me, I mean, you knew Tank was going to do Tank things, right? Jarquez Hunter, I've assumed that some of these stats, like the numbers would start going down because they were going to play real competition. Leading the country in, in yards per carry, it's still over yeah, 12. He's good. Hurl dude. That was like one of the most, that was one of the best plays of the entire night. Um, what I was surprised most about was Auburn's defense. Because, yeah. you know, you could, you could bring up the point that they should have, they probably should have won the game and would have won the game if they didn't run that stupid trick play coming out of the second half. Um, yeah. But like Auburn's defense, and they were good for most of the night, but you allow Sean Clifford, who, like somebody brought this up, he is basically just Big Ten Bo Nix, and mm-hmm. like, with what he's been throughout his career, he was incredible on Saturday night. Twenty-eight of thirty-two. Yeah, I think it like at one point he was ten of ten in the second half. Like he didn't miss, like at yeah. all. And so you, you know, like it, it wasn't. I don't remember it being like a bunch of chunk plays necessarily. Um, Dotson had like a good game, you know, as well, but. I just I hated the targeting call on Zakobi McLean. That was absolute horseshit. I thought he he could not have done a better job at what he was supposed to do there. Um, I, I thought that was bad. But like again, I think the right I think the team that deserved to win won. Um, and and the last thing I'll say is like about Harson. And, and as much as I I don't want to admit it because like I, I, I they hired somebody from Boise State to come down in the SEC. And, and recruit against and pl- like in the same state as the greatest coach in college history. I, I just thought it was going to be an uphill battle no matter what. And Cole Cuba came on our podcast and said that whole thing about how like who's the who's built most like Saban out of the coaches in the SEC. Not like who's the best, you know, second best coach. Who's built the most like Saban and like goes about his business like that. And the, every time I look at Brian Harson, the, the first thing that comes to mind is. He just, he's just about his business. Yeah. He, he just not goes to fucking work yeah. at all. Like yeah. he, he just head down, goes to work. doesn't give a shit about the outside noise. He's got them already. I feel like the culture is very different than it was with Gus. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's also got this, this like calm confidence about him. that yeah. just makes you kind of feel like, like you are like drawn to like, yeah, like, like I'm, I'm yeah. buying in. I'm I want to battle with that guy. Yeah. Yeah. They, I mean, that atmosphere was insane. 109,000 mm-hmm. fans and Auburn never looked rattled once. Mm-mm. Like, uh, I just, I thought it was super impressive. Um, I do want to go back and vi- uh, visit my notes from the preview mm-hmm. podcast on this. Um, I said, I like this game to be lower scoring. The game has gone under in Auburn's last five road games, six of the last nine Penn State games. Auburn's first step up in competition for the year. Penn State's been tested. Penn State, whiteout. I'm just reading my notes. Penn State, whiteout night game. Atmosphere off the charts. Until Bo Nix takes a step against a good team, especially in an environment like this, I'll bet against him. Road Bo Nix has been terrible. Um, I went Penn State 28, Auburn 20. Was my guess yeah, on fucking, that game? You fucking nailed, nailed it, it, man. So, um, uh, you know, Penn. Look, this is the tenth straight road game uh, that that Auburn has lost to a top ten team since 2014. So they're they're used to losing games like this as of late, but this one felt a bit different. And I think they're headed in the right direction. Yeah, I, and I kind of hate that stat too because it's like 
I mean, that's like, hard, that's like hard would, to do regardless. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and I also, like, I wouldn't, that's not the, the number I would bring up that like was like glaringly bad. Um, it's like the same thing with Coach O. Like you bring up his like record against like top 10, top 25 teams. Like Coach has like 13 and two uh, against top 10 teams, not named Alabama. It's ridiculous. So um, uh, yeah, very impressed with Auburn. I thought it was like, you know, I, I agree with everything you said. So. All right, let's go over to Athens. Um Obviously, we knew this game was going to be a blowout. Um, there's a couple of things I wanted to note, though. Um, J- JT Daniels back. He looked really good, I thought. Um, defense was awesome again. Mm. Um, they finally gave up their first touchdown, though. So I, I put it in one of my group texts with a bunch of Georgia guys. I said, you guys got to fire Kirby now. You know, you can't be giving up touchdowns like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, 23 of 31 for 303 yards, uh, three touchdowns, including one to that freshman, A.D. Mitchell, by the way, is going to be an, a baller. He already is a baller. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, but I think he's going to be really good by the time he's done there. I did want to shout out South Carolina because what I noticed in yeah. watching that game, and remember, I was at the in-laws' house. We, we, had, we watched every play till the very end of the game. <laughs> so we're watching when there's a bunch of backups in. But... I liked I liked what Beamer was doing with those guys. That they they were getting blown out and they were still coming to play. They were hitting Georgia hard. Yeah. They were they were trying on every play and Beamer was just getting all over them for you know, just positive reinforcement. And I mean it, it, yeah. that sounds like loser talk, but it really I, I just think that Beamer is he's got those guys exactly where they should be at this stage in the rebuild. Um it's where you want to be. You know, you're still you're still fighting for your team. And Josh Van looks like he's going to be a great player for them. Dude. Um, but I, I, I like I like Beamer. Um, and they got Kentucky next week. And Georgia's got Vandy. So, um, anything that stood out to you in that game? I love that you brought up Josh Van. Um, at, you know, three receptions, 100 and what was it? 121 yards and a touchdown. Kid is uh, – Chris Turnbrook actually brought this up on the – Facebook live we did after the games. He's like, do you think that somebody like Josh Van will be like the second best receiver in, in the SEC? And I was like, I don't even know who that is. And then I watched the game and I was like, Oh wow. Um, I mean, kid on the season, like it's only three games, but 10 receptions, 271 yards. So you're just casually going off at a 27.1 uh, yards per catch, like for your clip there. And, um, and three touchdowns, like in an offense that I think is going to struggle because of the offensive line, they're a little bit banged up in the running backs. That kid is a bright spot. Um, and I agree with you. I think the, like the same thing we said about Harson, like Beamer's personality is exactly what they need at South Carolina and what fits at South Carolina. Um, so I love that from a Georgia standpoint, God, that defense is good. The defense yeah. is good. The offense is so much more explosive and it sounds weird now because Stetson Bennett had, it was five for five or 285 yards and like five touchdowns a week ago. But like the offense is so much more explosive with JT Daniels, right? Like oh, yeah. it, it's, it's like, you just see like, again, like chunk plays happening, like way more consistently. It all, it almost seems like the field widens or like it, it's like, there's, there's so many more people open wide open in space when JT Daniels is, is a quarterback for whatever reason. Um, I, I came away with the, the fact that like, because again, Clemson was losing at the same time and, and people started that whole narrative, like maybe Georgia's not that good. The offense, you know, couldn't score a point on blah, blah, blah. Georgia's not even close to being healthy on offense. No. Yeah. They're, they're starting a third string tight end who is 
been one of the better tight ends in the league, maybe the country so far. Um, I, like, I honestly, I think that Kirby's going to be able to like have just exhibitions every week and get kids playing time. Cause you have so much talent everywhere. Um, and yeah, I mean, like, I, 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 I get, I feel like I'm more and more confident with, with that statement. They're going to win the national championship every time I watch him play. And Jordan Davis is a fucking monster. Dude, he's so big and so good. They clocked him at over 20 miles an hour, by the way. 20.8 miles an hour. <laughs> we won't get into why that kid came back for another year of school, but I'm sure it was uh, all about board. Um, no, I'm I'm really impressed with Georgia, um, obviously, and um, yeah, they put on a show for old Arch Manning. I I, I oh, could not stand how much they were talking about that on the broadcast. Thank you. I just want to remind everyone real quick that he is he's the offspring of the the shitty Cooper. Manning. Yeah, Cooper. <laughs> like anyway, yeah, I I completely agree with that. Yeah, that was a little over the top and. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where that kid goes. That, there's going to be yeah. so much media hype because the media loves the Mannings. Um, That's a good reason, but yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Where should we head next? Let's go over to Ole Miss, my new team. So my principle of not playing an over as high as 76 was just immediately in jeopardy. And, Battered. <laughs> and it went up. It went over almost from Ole Miss themselves. Um 61-21 over Tulane. They were a 14-point favorite. So the fact that they won by 40 seems like kind of a big deal. Um, the fact that they – there's a lot of things that were impressed about this. Um, I love how Kiffin had handled going into that game. Like, it was it was like textbook saving shit. Like, the whole, you know, rad poison. Like, Tulane's as good as an SEC school. We saw it mm-hmm. against Oklahoma. And, like – and this was, like, one of those games where a lot of people was, like, a trendy pick to pick Tulane to keep it close because of the mm-hmm. Oklahoma game. And the other side of that, which the only reason I felt it might be close is because Lane Kiffin, you know, good and GD well, he is going to be just like salivating at this Bama defense. And they get a week off after this two-lane game and then Bama, right? So I kind of thought he would keep it somewhat vanilla and, you know, not put a lot of things on tape. I look up at like halftime and they're up, they've scored 40 points. In the first half, um, they ended the game with like over 700 yards of offense. Matt Corral sets an SEC record, never been done before. He had like three touchdowns or three touchdowns passes uh, and also four touchdowns rushing. And he did it all by the, by the third quarter. Yeah. Seven, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, 707 total yards of offense for, for Ole Miss. You going into the season, man, I, I feel like they were one of those trendy picks because of Kiffin, because Corral and like, you know, the offense and a lot of it because of what they did against Bama. And I just didn't think they were there because they lost a lot of talent on offense for one. Um, they lost their you know best receiver and I, they might already be there. Like they, they really might already be there. The defense is really improved, but the fact like Matt Corral, like what he's been able to do his last eight games. Okay. His numbers over the last eight games. It, currently this season, he, he has 14 total touchdowns and no interceptions. He's in the top five in the country in like like half the like passing categories that are even available. His like passer rating, you know, total yards, like adjusted yards per attempt, all that kind of stuff. And he's been we we kind of 
like discard, I guess dismiss him sometimes because of what he did against Arkansas with six interceptions and what he did against um, LSU. But in the last eight games, seven of them, he has not thrown an interception. He, he's got 33 touchdowns and five picks because all five came in one game. He's averaging over 400 yards total offense per game, uh, over 72% completion percentage. And in five of the eight, he's had five or more touchdowns. Think about that. As we came into the year knowing the offense was going to be good. I mean, and they've, they've lived up to the billing. They've had 158 points and 1,900 yards in three games. But what's yeah. impressive to me is the defense does look legitimately improved. Um, it's hard not to be improved from where they were last year. But True. if you're an old Miss fan like me, going into the bye week, you got to feel great about where your team is right now. You're going into Tuscaloosa two weeks from now. And, you know, Matt Crowell after the game is talking about how, hey, you know, I don't care about my stats. Pro Lane probably cares more than I do. You know, he just wants to see me succeed. If they can come out of Tuscaloosa with a with a with a dub, I'm not mm -hmm. calling for it. He's gonna be the Heisman front runner. He should be already. He he already should be the Heisman front runner. Who's who has put up Who's put up better numbers and who's who's been more impressive this season? I I don't disagree with you, but just the way that the Heisman works, you got to be a top. You have to have that moment where, like, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, granted, put you're putting up records, but it is Tulane. Like, if he has a game, he doesn't have to have oh. a game like that. But and trust me, I'm not I'm not diminishing the stats, but people put up those stats like major stats against. Kind of Rattler didn't. Since downtrodden the teams. Favorite. Who? Spencer Rattler was the preseason Heisman favorite. He didn't put up those numbers against Tulane. And he's not a Heisman favorite anymore. Well, yeah, I know, but I'm just saying, like, they're a good defense. I think that, like, like right now, right. I would say who's put up better stats between him and Bryce Young. But do you think that right now, Bryce Young, I think, would probably win the Heisman over him just because of where Bam is at? That's what I'm trying to if say. That, if that happens, then they should just take away the votes for whoever voted for Bryce Young. Like I just out. feel like that's just the way it works these days. But but anyways, yeah. I, I but if he if Ole Miss can somehow beat Bama, he will be the Heisman front runner by a long shot, and we'll see what happens from there. But I well, real how are you feeling? Like, I, I mean, as a Bama fan, how do you feel about Ole Miss right now? Oh, I'm going to be miserable for the next two weeks. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be awful. Like, and, and the reason why is because somehow they're getting almost better. It seems like with each game, and again, the competition they played is not great. I get that. The other part of like what was so impressive this weekend was like we talked about the, the yards, the points, all that kind of stuff. They put they had 94 plays. I mean, they were firing on all cylinders the entire fucking game. Okay. The first half, let me go over this little drive chart with you. They had eight total drives. Six of them resulted in touchdowns. One was a fumble, one was a turnover on downs because it was the end of the half. Six touchdowns. They ran 41 total plays on eight drives. And then Crazy. they come out in the second half when you would think you'd make like, you know, second half adjustments, maybe for Tulane. First three drives, all of resulted in touchdowns. Um, there was 11 total plays for all three, 11 total. And none of the drives were over a minute and 22 seconds. They came out and buried Tulane. And then just, they're impressive, man. That's the mindset you want to have. Um, I'm very impressed as a, as an Ole Miss fan, a longtime Ole Miss fan. I haven't seen my squad look like this in years. 
2014, dude. Feels like 2014 again. <laughs> uh, let's go across the state, although the game was in a different state. What a crazy-ass game the Memphis the fuck happened? Mississippi State game was. Calvin Austin from Memphis had an incredible game. Three touchdowns in the second half. Um, but obviously, everyone was talking about the one punt return. I'll put it in quotes. Um, I don't want to take much away from Memphis because even without you that, should. they played a fantastic game. No, they didn't. He, so, they were down 17-7 and won 31-29. I feel like... Tyler, they were outgained by 200 yards. They had they had 69 yards of offense in the first half. They were inept the entire game. I don't even like. I don't even know how Mississippi State blew this. As Mike Leach said after the game, yeah, we had a lot more stats than them, but the, the problem is that stats don't mean anything. Right. Well, in that situation, I feel like they probably should have <laughs> because it like I'm like looking at the box score because that game was on at the same time as Bama. So I didn't get to watch, like, I had no sound on it. Mississippi State, man, like, I, you kind of feel somewhat bad for him because, like, that was another trendy pick. A lot of people were picking Memphis. I know Connor and Adam Spencer from SCS picked Memphis. And it's hard to get up emotionally for three games in a row like that. What is the rule on the punt? So, Because like, if, you, if you didn't see it, what a fucking confident move by that kid to scoop it up in front of, like, five people. Well, he – so <laughs> – he actually did the right thing. Now, the, the obviously, the thing in question was that the back judge apparently signaled to stop the clock. Right. Like, the play was over, but nobody else did. Nobody saw it. And so, they took it. Or, or I don't know if no one saw it. Maybe... Where could they have been looking? Maybe Mississippi State did. But, but the kid, you know, after the game, he said, like, look, I go through those scenarios all the time with my dad. Like, we, we try to be very football smart. And I knew that um, the play wasn't over. After what right. had transpired, yeah, but I, the fact that he just just fired in there, picked that thing up, and just <laughs> ran down the field was well, like, crazy. I mean, yeah, exactly. It wasn't like they were like everyone was five yards away from the ball and had their back turned to it. They were standing over the ball. Um, so yeah, credit him for that. Like it, it just I'm I'm gonna be honest about this, and and I'm gonna ask you the same question. I was Saturday years old, whatever that would be, when I found out that that was the rule. For, oh, I, for punt returns. I thought you had to touch it. Like you said, like you down the ball the moment it's touched by the, the team that punted, as long as it's not touched, obviously, by the receiving team. It touched several <laughs> players from Mississippi State. And apparently the rule is the play is not over until the ball is handed to the ref. Yeah. What kind of whirly ball shit is that? I, I, I've never, why would that I, be I, a rule? That was crazy. That what what an, what an insane play. That's what makes college football so fun. Uh, obviously, yeah. maybe not if you're a Mississippi State fan, but um, yeah. In the end, um, Memphis did pull it out. Uh, Fifty-one yard field goal from from their kicker. Mississippi State goes right down down the field in two plays. I think um, scores, but then they can't convert the two point conversion. Oh. Um, so Memphis walks away with a victory, but man, Will Rogers, 67 passes, 50 completions. 50. Oh my 50. God. 419 <laughs> you know, you know what's funny though? So like, like he, he's leading the SEC in every you know category possible, but it is, it's a, it's such a perfect example of a Mike Leach offense because, you know, I, I sat here for years thinking like, oh yeah, they just air it out all game long. Like they're, you know, and they're probably throwing it deep and, you know, cause I just never watched, I watched the Texas 
and Texas Tech game 2008. Watched a couple of Washington State games, maybe. I didn't realize it was so like dink and dunk down the field, right? So looking at that kid's stats, and I'm not taking anything away from him because he's a true sophomore. He was second. He's the returning leader for completion percentage as a freshman, like coming into the season, right? He's got over 74% completion percentage uh, so far this season. But you know what his QBR was? <laughs> After going 50 of 67 for 400, uh, there are 319 yards and three touchdowns, no picks. I do not. 56. Who? 56. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. Well, Mississippi State's got to get off the mat here because they got LSU next week. LSU kind of improving. Um, the rest of the games in the SEC, well, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about Kentucky just real quick. No, let's go around the league and say, because uh, there's yeah, a couple of things that sit out, and that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, Texas A&M, you know, blanked New Mexico, which New Mexico is one of the worst teams in the country. Yeah. Tennessee, uh, they blanked Tennessee Tech, so good, good on you, Tennessee. Um, they found a quarterback, I think. Yep. I think, like I said, I, Joe Milton was not the answer, and I think the injury probably was a good thing long-term for everyone else but him. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's uh, Joe Nix. Like, it's the same thing. Just like, yeah. We'll see how far yeah. I can throw this fucking ball. LSU put up – I mean, they, they, they went real high tempo with their offense. Mm. Uh, seemed to work out well for them. Got to give a shout-out to Kayshawn Boutte. Six touchdowns already this year. Dude, he, he was pretty quiet in this game. Yeah. Um, he did have a, a touchdown, but yeah, he didn't have, they, they, they leaned on some freshmen in this game. So you got to see Corey Kiner and Brian Thomas and a couple of those, those freshmen. So they looked really good. Unfortunately, they had a couple of big injuries though, in that game. Mm -hmm. uh, D and uh, Andre Anthony sounds like maybe out for the year. Uh, Orgeron didn't want to get into specifics, but he said it didn't look good. Um, and then their right tackle left the game late in the in the fourth quarter with a, a leg injury. So um, not what you want to see, but maybe they're starting to get, you know, the offense going there and and maybe start to look a little bit better. I, I'm going to assume that I'm wrong and overreacting to this, like a, just a prisoner of the moment, because I wasn't right about almost anything I said this weekend. Um, I think the best bet I said was Florida team total over 20 and a half. And outside of that, most of what I said was wrong. Um, but this was the big, like the most consistent sharps. Um, like everybody was on central Michigan. It, like the, the, the line was like my, you know, I think they were plus 20. Right. And I honestly thought I was like, Oh, they're only like minus 10 and a half. In the first half, like hammer LSU for that. Like, that's perfect. I know that, you know, central Michigan played well against Mizzou, but, um, the few things that central Michigan does well, like, Rushing, I think that they have like a, it's either they're good at defending the run or they are good at like running the football. Either way, LSU was able to come in and, and like things that have been weaknesses for this team, not just this year, but kind of dating back to last year, it seemed like they kind of corrected. You, I mean, you had your running backs, you didn't have a single running back on your team that had over 63 yards on the season a at all. You finally get a guy that, you know, it wasn't like a banner day, but it was 72 yards. So you, <laughs> outperformed like everyone else for the whole year. Um, I love the fact they got other people involved besides Keishon Butte. You get max shots and some confidence. I mean, you're up 35-7 at the half, um, which I thought was great. And then this defense has been bad 
still. Like they're still not great. And, and it's surprising because of the talent they have, especially at the cornerback positions. But shout out to LSU, because I don't know if you know this, but it's a fun fact. They have they lead the SEC in sacks and tackles for loss. DJ hmm. Lari had two and a half uh, of each this weekend. Um, and he's fantastic, but like they have 22 sacks on the season. And through three games, they have 55 tackles for loss. That's insane. Yeah. Three games, they have 55 tackles for loss? That doesn't sound right, huh? <laughs> if that's 30, right, we... <laughs> the number was 40, and they had 15 in this game, right? Like, I mean, I know maybe it is. They had 15 in this game. Hold on. God dang it, Chris. I, this is why I shouldn't do any of the deep dives. I always miss some stupid detail. It's like that guy in office space. I mean... It seems outrageous if it's true. I mean, that's truly insane. I think we got to figure it out before we move on. Yeah. Um, yeah, we do. So, oh boy, it's 40. Okay, that's my bad. Yeah, so they have 40. Okay, well, still, I mean, that's still pretty damn good for three games. Yeah, I got to figure out how many platforms I put that on and where to take it down. But yes, it's still very impressive. <laughs> and having 15 in this game is also impressive. Um, so you brought this up, like, I think I was, I was equally impressed and equally not impressed with these two teams. Another trendy pick, Georgia Southern, even though they're just dog shit this year. Um, Arkansas coming off like a massive, massive win. Program defining win so far for Sam Pittman. You beat Texas at home. Um, everyone kind of thought there'd be a hangover effect going into this game against Georgia Southern. Because you got Texas A&M as well next week. Exactly. Right out of the gates, they go up 14-0. KJ Jefferson has has a career day, puts up the, the like 336 yards passing, most passing yards they had since 2016. He has a career high in touchdowns as well. Um, Carolyn Burks finally got going, which was great, and they end up just like smoking Georgia Southern. Well, and and their KJ. defense was super impressive too. I mean, they only gave mm -hmm. up 233 yards of offense, and 76 of those came on one play, like one busted play. Right, like they were they phenomenal. They had 38, I think I'm looking at my notes, 38 interceptions in that game too. If my math's correct. That doesn't sound right. I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll look uh, into it later. Hey, even Jerry Jones' grandson got some run in this game. How old is he? He's, that guy's got to be like 50 still, even if he's his grandson. <laughs> Jerry Jones uh, has been alive for like through, I think, almost every war besides the Revolutionary War. I think he was around for the Revolutionary War. Anyways, um... Kentucky. Jesus. We've been on the Kentucky bandwagon. Almost picked Kentucky as my school for the year. Oh, this, they survived a scary one against uh, UT Chattanooga here. UT Chattanooga. The they, they relied on a 95-yard pick six in the fourth quarter to... <laughs> get... they, they flat out relied on it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't mean, know what happened there. I mean, Will, so Will Levis, as great as he looked in week one, and, and he's very talented, it's like he goes to sleep in, 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 like during the middle of the game. Like, like they come right out of the gates. They go up 7-0. They were a 32-point favorite like in, in books that you could actually get that number at. I mean, like they were bad all day in every possible way. Like, like Chris Rodriguez was pretty much shut down for most of the day. Um, the only – like. I guess like bright spot was Wondell Robinson again, put up like, I think he had six catches for 88 yards, but Levis had, I believe, I, I think it was at least three turnovers because he had two picks and at least one fumble. Um, 
but yeah, man, like, like the last couple of weeks, I feel like they've, I don't know if it's an overconfidence and, and he brought it up after the game that they, they didn't go into Friday with the right mindset and preparing the right way for the game, which I thought was odd because that's a walkthrough. Right. Like, I, <laughs> I've seen teams lose walkthroughs before. That's just Florida state Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Um, but yeah, I mean like that's a little bit concerning. I don't think for this week when you play South Carolina, but like maybe Kentucky's not as good as we thought. They still have weapons everywhere, but that was concerning. I'll be willing to chalk it up as a um, very lackluster effort, get back on their feet. But yeah, that was that was interesting. They were losing in the fourth. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. As I said, they had to rely on a pick six, 95 yards. As our boy from Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, would say, they are going in. We are going in on this podcast right now. So I don't think there's any other games to cover for the week. I did want to mention as part of my uncensored, just it's not even a moment really. Mm -hmm. I just really want to talk about UConn and how bad they are. Oh my God. Because they are, they are getting to Kansas levels of must bet the other side. They're worse than Kansas. Like Kansas ever was. Yes, Absolutely. It is, it's mind blowing how bad they are. Like they, what they should not like, again, I brought this up like week one, like just fucking cancel that, that football team. They, by the way, they have to play Clemson this year, which, Hey, maybe it'll be oh a fight. Oh my God. <laughs> but uh, you if know you, what? I, I hope it's like a 21 to 13 game because <laughs> of how bad Clemson is. That would be fantastic. Um, This year. So from what I gather, they had a head coach. He was fired or quit and then just came back. Randy Etzel. Yeah. And then now he just quit midseason again. <laughs> like, he's like that fucking right fielder from, from Bad News Bears. Like, well, I, you know, listen, like, I know I only show up sometimes like once every three games, but if I can get my motorcycle working, I'll be back in time for the week seven games. This year, let me just tell you a little bit about them. Fresno first game they were 28 point underdogs Fresno's a really good team they lost 45-0 not even close um, in the first half like, at least at least they got to play I don't even know if they're FCS they may be NAIA Holy Cross only a three-point favorite so you figure hey at least we're a favorite somewhere no they lost by 10 to Holy Cross their mascot was a rosary they go into the Purdue game Purdue downtrodden not very good. 35 point favorites. 49-0 final score. That's a, that's a, now what I was will the score say the Holy Cross game? 38-28 they lost. They gave up 38 points to Holy Cross. Like, I mean, and like, finally, in basketball that makes sense, but I'm so glad so I guess they're not a must bet against because I almost did it this week cuz they were playing Army and I was like all right, Army, like, Army can't, I mean, I love them. Love the military. But they were 34 and a half point favorites, Army was. And I was like, okay, UConn, you got to come to play here. It's a service academy. Like running clock, right? It's like, yeah. like like 11-minute drives and shit. Now, granted, they did cover the spread, so I'm glad I didn't bet it. But they lost 52 to 21. And I'm pretty the sure Army, Army <laughs> I'm pretty sure Army was up like 35 or 42 to zero at one point. Yeah. 
it, like I've ever like like CFP Reddit tweeted something that was like UConn is getting absolutely court martialed right now by <laughs> Army. Like like you remember a couple years ago, and I'm assuming it's the same coach. I could be totally wrong, but like Army, like they had this that one game against Oklahoma where they they held the ball for the entire third quarter. They had they had like I think the game was 21 to 14 at the end. And they held the ball for like 48 minutes. That's their offense. 52 points. You don't fucking run like, like a, like a fun and gun in, in like a triple option offense. You don't put up those kind of numbers. No. So if you're a Vandy fan listening, UConn travels to Nashville, October 2nd. I think, I think you're going to find yourself another dub on the, on the schedule here. If you're a Vandy fan. That is no. awful. That, that is like, oh my God. Uh, they, they should, they honestly, and, and I said this like earlier in the year and it wasn't a joke. I, I fully mean this and it's going to sound crazy, but like, I'm sure that it, it costs a lot of money to run a football program. You, you have a minimum 85 kids that have scholarships at that school. And I'm yeah. not saying that they're not deserving of free education because that's, that's great. What I am saying is that they're probably not good enough football players to be getting a free education over maybe somebody else that would need it. Um, like start a fucking Quidditch program. I don't know. Like do anything. Do like Rubik's cubes for time. I, like I, what? I mean, like they. We saw it a couple of weeks ago. They had tag on on uh, on what do you call it? Like de, like defund UConn football immediately. <laughs> defund the UConn football program right now. Uh, these are the things that we need to focus on in this country. Um, yeah, doubt. No, so, anyways. I want to give one quick shout out before we go. Um, I the the UCF at Louisville game was absolutely insane on Thursday. Awesome, and it happened so fast. I was in a group chat with my buddies from school, and it was like, "Wow, Louisville!" Because they let's see what happened. They threw a pick right, and then like UCF was just straight up ready to win the game. Then they throw a pick six to lose. Very next play, yeah, and. One of the craziest innings I've ever seen, but then got a shout out to Dylan Gabriel, who unfortunately on a complete mm-hmm. fluke bullshit last play, like severely hurt his shoulder, probably out, out for the goal. year. There he sucks. is. He announced it. Yeah. So that really sucks. Um, but yeah, yeah. Crazy game. Any, any last words from you? Well, you brought up the fact that it was like one of the craziest endings ever. And like, we have a great setup down here. Like we have like the three TVs. I've showed you guys like pictures of the basement and all that kind of stuff. For whatever reason, I couldn't find the UCLA Fresno State game. That ending was incredible. And yeah. it just gets me so excited for the rest of the year because I don't know if we're going to be able to keep this pace, but it feels like each week has gotten better than the last so far. Um, and I don't want to jinx it, but like if you, if you missed that game, it, like Fresno State scored with like a minute and 40 seconds to go to go up. And, and this quarterback, by the way, that's the only like other person I think almost dead. Chat. Okay, <laughs> that's not what I was going to say. I, I was going to say outside of Corral, that's the only other person I feel like would be deserving of being a Heisman frontrunner right now because of what he's but been he able was to so do. injured. Dude, did you see the, did you see the throw he put in like the front, the front corner of the end zone, like right on the pylon? I, I, I honestly, you could barely see it. That, that's how like tightly, like on a rope, this ball, like it, it looked like a, like a fucking, who's that giant lefty pitcher for the Yankees that I hate so much or Chapman. That's exactly what it looked like. It was like, it was hard to keep up with. I'm sure I'm exaggerating. And I also been drinking, but still 
He's a really good player. Um, anyway, UCLA goes right back on the field and scores with 52 seconds left. And I think even on, on Fox, when they were doing like the, the, uh, like the highlight, they were like, all right, UCLA survives the scare, but they're going to move on to three and O. And then like 30 seconds later, <laughs> like they break back in another game break. Fresno State scored again. There were three touchdowns in the last minute and 40 seconds. It, it was incredible. Did you see that high school game that was that made big news because they were down 28-7 with a minute 43 or something like that? 24-7? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I, just, I mean, yeah, defund that football program too, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge, well, that's one of those like IMG Academy type places, Bishop Gorman in, in Las Vegas uh, that or, lost uh, that game. Tate Martell was. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, anyways, another great week um, of college football. Super happy to have you guys on. Thanks for tuning in. Remember, texaspeat.com. Promo code Saturday Down South. If you want 20% off all sauces and apparel. Chris, it was a good one. We'll see you on Wednesday for a preview of week four.